Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, all. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money. I'm Satya Suntanam. I have with me Neil Borati, the head of the personal finance team at Mint, to lead this episode. We frequently invite prominent personalities in the financial industry to share their personal finance journey with us. For this episode, we have a very special guest. He started trading stocks at the age of 17, joined a call center for his first job, but eventually built the largest stock trading platform in India. No prizes for guessing. It's Mr. Nitin Kamath, the co-founder and CEO of Zeroda. Without any further ado, let's start the episode. Hi. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. So uh, Nitin, uh, you tweeted about having to consolidate the investments of your dad and um, you know dealing with some of the wasteful investments that inspired you to launch the family view uh, on Zero Da. So if you could tell us a little bit about that struggle and you know what, how did you go about it? Yeah, no, I mean, see the thing is this: what we've launched the family. portfolio view doesn't really solve for my dad's problem you know in in you know in completely uh, as such but uh, it's just a starting point is what i was trying to say uh, so yeah, so my dad you know was in canara bank you know he retired a few years back and uh, i think through his life so you know in, in our family there, there are a lot of these lic insurance agents and these guys have to get 12 policies a year to you know kind of stay alive <laughs> so Usually, my dad used to do policy in someone's name in the house, right? As in, uh, over the last whatever you know, like over twenty-five, thirty years, he did a lot of mutual fund investments in this physical form. He ended up opening DMAT accounts in a bunch of places. You know, a bunch of these DMAT accounts, you know, they were linked to this uh, his savings bank account. So he had multiple savings bank accounts. Now, because in some cases the savings bank account got, I think, inactive because of which the dividends get credited. and because of which the stocks moved to this you know investor protection fund and then that's been a nightmare as in like you know he's like uh, you know it it moved and then bonus happened who gets the bonus you know like he's been like almost on my head and i i you know like it's so funny that with all my market contacts and you know whatever i have not been able to actually solve for his problem so his thing is generally been about i've done investments through the family as in you know like his wife i mean my mom and you know my names etc when i was smaller and he wants to just be able to visualize it as in today thanks to you know my success he doesn't have to worry financially but i've seen a lot of his friends who are in similar positions you know where there are no financial successes like us so where money is very important this is like hard earned money and savings and retirement and there in some cases people are almost locked out of sorts right as in you know when they want to access this money i mean they can't and, and i'm sure it's quite frustrating of sorts and uh, today's newer generation you know people who are starting investing i think currently it may not seem like a big problem for them because you know they're probably just doing it through one account or you know there is a cdsl cash statement or nsdl but thing is over time this this will get built as in over time you will end up doing an insurance investment somewhere you'll do a mutual fund some investment somewhere else and etc and i think it's a it's a real problem affecting 10 15 crore indians and like today i'm lucky that i have a chartered accountant who does it for me and sends me a balance sheet right but if if i was not a business guy i mean i would also have had the same problem because i also have investments spread across you know I mean, 
uh, different banks, different FDs, GSECs, and you know all of these things, right? So I think today there's a way technologically to solve for this, especially now that you know this whole account aggregator framework is in place. While the account aggregator framework will allow people to visualize, I think I mean the next problem to solve there is also to be able to allow easy exits. I mean, just visualization is not enough. You know, you, you cannot lock out someone from his own person, you know, money of sorts. So yeah, so I, I, like. Family was something which is in our control because you know these are zero dollar customers and uh, you know we can very easily solve for that problem. But uh, uh, account aggregator is also very I think you know once the APIs out there you know it'd be an easy problem to solve. Allowing exits is going to be a challenging and a complex problems because a lot of these you know money managers don't want people to exit right as in you know so there is almost an incentive to regular insurance right. I mean, every side, you know. I mean, like, like a bank doesn't want to lose its deposit customer. A insurance company doesn't want to lose his, like, his customer, or a mutual fund manager doesn't want to lose his customer. So, so the incentive, all you know, in all across a financial services system, is to almost make it tough for people to kind of exit, right? As in, it's just not in India. I mean, it's, it's just a, you know, like you know, you look at an incentive, you can then figure out the business model, right? As an in, incentive is to keep the customer in, in, in uh, you know, like one of the things that we've been struggling, for example, is like, you know, a lot of our customers want to move stocks to zero, though, but you know, when they go with the DIS slips, etc., to their existing brokers, they just make it really tough for people to move the stock out. You know, and one of the things that we've been asking is that you should, like, you know, like the way we have enabled online, like today, a customer can come to us and transfer stocks to any demand account he wants. Right, we don't restrict, and he can do it online without having to send us. You know, like a lot of these guys ask for client master report and copy, and you know, signature mismatch. They want this physical and not digital, and etc. So they, and these kind of pervasive incentives exist across the system. So you know, so I think uh, visualization is one thing, but uh, eventually being able to allow people to be able to easily exit uh, is also another. Now that's a much more complex problem to solve. But once people are able to view it all in one place, I think I mean, at least it's half the problem solved. Within how keen are you on the account aggregator system? Have you applied for an FIU license or you're waiting for it to pan out more, get more uh, regulators and institutions on board? Yeah, no, I think, see, the thing is the actual tech here is very commoditized. These platforms, the account aggregator, the license platforms, who will kind of plug into the ecosystem and you know uh, serve the data? That's a very commoditized tech. I don't think there's anything innovative. Innovative will all happen on the front end, right? As in the user experience side. So we are not. You know, we don't want to go get licenses there. I mean, we'll end up using you know one of the aggregators. One of the startups that we have partnered with, you know, this company called Digio, who uh, who has built this layer. Uh, you no, know, uh, today we use the eSign and, and all of that. So they are they have applied for an account aggregator license. There is CAMS, which has got an account aggregator license. So I mean, these are guys that who with whom we already work. So I think we'll just use one of their services, you know, for this. Okay, so um, going to sort of the main topic of the day: how you invest, how you view your personal finance. If we could, in fact, lead off from what we discussed about uh, insurance, do you currently have life and health insurance, and what has your experience been with insurance? No, see the thing is personally, I mean, I think all my insurance policy in my name is actually done by my dad. <laughs> in the sense, like when I was younger, you know, he just kept doing this. You know, every year there used to be like almost like the. I mean, it's all small amounts, you know, like five hundred bucks, uh, you know, like in a month or something like that. You know, but I personally, I think, bought insurance twice in my life because to help my relationship manager. You know, like I mean, he just called up and said, "Dude, I have a target to meet," and 
and you know i can you help and i said okay you know and i'm not, I'm not really bothered looking at it you know this was uh, before zero the offs so it was life that was life yeah to be very honest you know like financially you know like my like success in life really happened post zero i mean i mean before that i was really hustling and you know trying to go from one month to another month you know of sort so insurance never really took priority as in, you know this whole con- you know consciousness of health insurance etc is very new to india i mean i don't think in back in 2000s anyone really had health insurance or you know even hospitals really didn't know you know how to uh, deal with this so yeah so i never really had health i never had any dependence so i never thought about term because you know i mean i i was earning for myself you know my parents you know were doing whatever for themselves so term also didn't really come into my mind so yeah so but once the business started and we started doing okay and then you know the health costs in the country started going up i mean that's when we said you know what we need to have health insurance not for like me personally but you know for the team so so you now we ended up going getting a group policy of sorts life insurance you know i mean like you know even when i purchased it it made no sense at all because you know i mean if you want money to be managed for you rather go to a mutual fund guy versus you know go to a insurance guy and if you want to get your risk ma- you know covered then you go get a term policy i mean this whole insurance acting as a investment also it made no sense at all you know so uh, and it was not very optimal it was very inefficient and and i think in india right as in whatever earns more sells more right as in i mean not just in india across the world so you know so uh, and i think especially you know until 2008 you know before that market collapse i think 2004 to 7 i think insurance ulips got like miss so like crazy right as in uh, so yeah, so i've i've never really had love for you know insurance policies which would said you know i'll also invest money for you so so i never done that and uh, so as as erada grew as erada grew i mean we knew in the back of our mind that you know this this whole solving for insurance is a big piece you know i mean like especially in today's world where the health costs have gone up so much uh, you know it's important that everyone has health insurance and you know so so yeah, i mean internally the group policy we have you know it's quite spectacular it covers almost all conditions and you know and uh, and we pay a little extra to make sure you know like because every you know almost for most indians you know you're just one health incident away from kind of almost losing your net worth right doesn't so we said you know we need to cover for those outcomes so and what we have done internally at zerodo also is that is is that in case you know there is this extreme event where say you know suddenly you know we have a coverage of say i think 20 25 lakhs i mean if it becomes a 50 lakhs what happens right i mean do you let your employee just go down to docs no i mean so what we said is that in cases you know if there are extreme events we will cover it as come you know we have covered for those extreme outcomes and it's all you know everyone has got on their families and their parents and all of the policies we also doing term policies because i think for people who have dependence it's you know it's very important to kind of have a term insurance of sorts i mean the way i've solved for it is you know i mean like every year i took some money and i said you know what i need to create a pool uh, which is Now when shit hits the fan, you know the family, you know, who's dependent on me is covered, you know. So and that pool has become large today. So I don't really need to go get myself a term insurance policy because there is like you know a risk-free kind of an allocation which is which is kept for the family of sorts. You know? So Nitin, tell us about um, buying your first home. Um, when when did you do it? How were you able to finance it? What was that experience like? Yeah. So uh, no, I, I didn't really buy. I, the only time I think I took credit in my life was to write. You know, I thought I'm going to do GMAT, right? And you know, this was early 2000s, and I took a credit card, and I had, I had to pay for my GMAT fees, and I didn't know anyone who had a credit card, so I had to go get myself a credit card. It was some twenty thousand rupees or something. It was a lot, lot of amount, lot of money back. So yeah, so I I used my credit card to pay. It, it took me five years to pay it back. And, I mean, I I've done the most stupidity in my life. 
with that credit card and and also uh, is it because you're postponing the EMI sorry yeah yeah i just kept post i mean it was a tough form, time for me you know i was working in a call center i was trading you know it was very volatile life you know so um i just kept you know every time it reduces a little you know some weekend you go out and you like you know what you know after one beer you want to have another beer you know so you use a credit card types you know so uh i think you know i had done the math by the time i had paid off that loan now uh, that for for funnily i never took the exam also right as and so i just paid for the fees and um by the time i had paid off the loan i think i had like paid like four times that in terms of interest costs and delayed payment costs and etc and uh, and as soon as i uh, started making enough money the first thing i did was destroyed my credit card i said dude you know it's this is evil of sorts and i didn't have a credit card for almost 10 more years until i started traveling abroad and it almost became very you know important that you need to have a credit card and you know like because you can't book a hotel and etc so i didn't have a credit card so i have always been very wary about uh, i mean like and then you know I, i started doing this money management business you know so i used to advise people on portfolios and I kind of hated the obligation that money brought on the table. Like you know, there's people who would give me money, and then you know, like every evening call up and say, "Dude, what happened to the markets?" And you know, like I just hated that. You know, like just to you know, the, <laughs> like just like constantly having to sell why what am I doing for what reason? And maybe that's also got the re- you know reason why you know we haven't raised any capital as a business. You know, just that that you know I hate that obligation that money brings of sorts. You know, so so yeah, so we never. Uh, I re- decided that I'm not going to borrow to buy a house when I would have to buy a house you know and uh, I would need to have sufficient funds and sufficient clarity in terms of my future you know cash flows to you know even if I decide to do it so uh, so yeah so uh, I mean we picked up our first apartments I think in 2014 uh, 2013 14 and uh, but then you know there was clarity and you know like in terms of I had you know sufficient money I mean like it was the the investment i did in the house is was really a small portion of what i was like you know like what my financial outcome was at that point you know so i you know i didn't really like i seen a lot of people who think you know they can spend their like five years income on their house and etc i mean i like I, i could never make peace with stuff like that you know like you know i think i thought i always thought you know so you should be able to wind down the loan any loan at any point of time you should have the freedom to do it you know and So yeah, so uh, because of that, I think it, it was a little late in my journey before I first got you know the first own house of sorts. You know, otherwise we were generally in a rented place. Oh no, I mean I took a home loan for that. I took a home loan, but it was a you know it was a small portion, and it was more for tax planning than really for you know uh, and like the loan loan per se. You know, so uh, uh, otherwise you know like everything I've done you know like I bought a few cars in this journey and etc. I mean it's all been. If only if I could afford paying for the car, I would go buy the car, you know, in cash. You know, I wouldn't go take a loan. But but I understand not everyone would have the freedom to do that. But uh, but I think if you have an option to do it, I think you shouldn't borrow. You know, is what now this weird logic that there's really you know debt is really the problem, crux of all problems in life. You know? So it just it gives gives a lot of freedom to not have debt in life. You know? so, But then, what was your first investment? Do you remember? No, no. I mean, I I uh, the first talk I bought was this. Penny stock called Shalimar products, you know. So I mean, like, so I bought it five pesos, sold it sixty pesos. I thought I'm a rock star type, and you know, so uh, and then yeah, I mean, uh, I I've never really uh, what do you call? Um, I've always had some investments going in a sense. It's it's like I started trading when I was seventeen. So like, you know, every time there was an IPO, I would you know, but my birthday was around. You know, if there was an IPO, I would gift myself an IPO of sorts. You know, so 
So I've done all of those things for a long time and and small amounts of money, you know. I mean, like my like my first job, I was making like six and a half thousand rupees salary, you know. This was two thousand one, so it's so there was not like a lot of money to invest. But I think those habits kind of it's just you know, like this whole beauty of compounding is you know like it just adds up. You know, like my first SIP of five hundred rupees, I think twenty five years back is is just you know is, is a ridiculous amount of money today, you know. And I've, I've done I've done a bunch of things. I've also done a lot of stupid things. You know, I've uh, I've pledged some of my investments to trade FNO and lost it, and you know so so yeah. So I, I kind of I blew up in 2001, 2002. You know when I went joined a call center, and uh, I was extremely aggressive until then in my life. You know, so I was was constantly trying to lever up, you know, borrow as much, and try to you know kind of max my financial outcome on everything I do. And uh, and then the whole reality hit that dude, you know, this isn't easy, and this is just scarily dangerous. And so between 2002 and 2005 was really when I worked in a call center, trading. I think all my life lessons was really learned during those three really tough years. Uh, so when I came out of it, I think I was completely different to what I was, you know, going to my call center job. You know, it's almost opposite of sorts. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I was a, a lot more, you know, I, I would always question the risk before doing anything. You know, this whole. Concept of today, the problem is people think mostly rewards when, like, <clears throat> when you're taking any decision, right? There is a risk to reward kind of a payoff of sorts, right? And uh, most people don't consider the risk of you know when they're thinking of the rewards. And I think a good trader is really the one who's constantly weighing down risk to rewards. And one of the reasons I love poker is that because you know every hand you're put into a decision to say you know what is the risk to reward in your favor to actually it's like you know uh, living your life in a fast forward in two hours or three hours of poker. Right? You're just put through so many decisions every hand. uh and uh, it's just it's just how do you re- react to these you know these kind of situations psychologically etc because every person is different you know every person's measure of risk is different every person's reaction to risk and rewards are different so i don't think there's a cut copy paste that will work right as in you know like uh what i feel about risk to rewards could be very different to what someone else feels but generally one policy i've followed from 2005 is that if i can't put a number to the risk and if i can't I, you know is this number i can make peace with like you know if unless i feel that i can make peace with this outcome um, i will not do it right it's just not worth the hassle you know once you make peace with that like the worst case outcome right you you are more logical you're more rational right otherwise you know decisions taken in panic and fear you know is usually uh, you know most likely a wrong decision and uh, my outlook with money and investments everything today is exactly the same you know every time i invest in a startup i'm saying you know what is a write off you know am i okay with this being a write off i'll do it if if it's too much you know i'll not do it you know so stuff like that and and uh, uh, thankfully all the uh, active trading decisions handled by nikhil you know so uh, he's i think is a, is a much better trader than i am uh so uh, so yeah so from 2010 onwards all the money was when zeroda started i mean the whole idea was that um, i had this whole kida of you know talking to traders and building community etc so i thought you know i can extend that into becoming a broker and and the backup was that nikhil is going to trade if my attempt at broking doesn't work you know i'll go get back to trading as well so i haven't taken a single trade after 2010 you know which is quite weird you know <laughs> which i mean I, of course i test the platform and small little trade i mean trades that matter i haven't really taken after 2010 so it's uh, so uh, so all the volatility in terms of you know portfolios going up and down is you know nikhil said it you know so uh, i like the one thing like i said I, we did earlier was that we we kept taking some money out and said you know what we you know there has to be like this 
money in the bank that will cover for our families and uh, you know like the worst case outcome you know if say tomorrow everything goes to zero as in all our investments become zero as in you know you cannot uh, you know like I have to start all over again you know I mean I've done the mistake twice in my life before so uh, so yeah, so we took out some money and, and and more importantly I think I realized about money is that you know you can't let luxuries creep upon you know because if you there's always more money to spend you know I mean like you know every time I go to Dubai and I meet some of my rich friends I'm like dude I mean it's ridiculous I mean I and I when I was starting my life I thought you know buying a Rolex you know like a submarine you know, which is is like the end to life right as in i said you know what you can spend 3 4 lakh rupees on a on a rolex you know is you know you're set you know you're like you're arrived in life i mean the last time you know uh, i walked into a showroom i saw a watch for like 25 crore rupees and i'm like you know there is no end I and mean, you can you know once you buy that watch i'm sure there is a 100 crore rupee watch you know so there is uh, so yeah so i think uh, it doesn't matter where you are in terms of your uh no in terms of how much i think you know you earn i think your spending has to be much lesser than how much you earn you know so it's it's just yeah, and you can't because this whole luxury is the problem is they end up becoming very like almost like necessities of th- sorts and uh and i think one of the you know like i think one of my the biggest influencer in my life is actually kalash you know who's our uh you know who's our cto and uh and and the way he builds products is really the way he leads his life which is you know with as little complexity in life as possible you know which is the more complex you make you know it just comes back to you to haunt you now the more things you own it's more complex right as in if you if you own 10 houses you'll have to worry about what's happening in these 10 houses so you have to give some time and bandwidth to it so it's there's no point i mean uh so yeah so uh, we try to keep the life very simple in terms of uh, investing and Etc. Etc. You know, but uh, but yeah, but Nikhil is a more trader like, so he is you know he likes to he likes the volatility and uh, so so yeah, so that's how he's ended up doing setting up the hedge fund and all of that. You know, because um, I would never take do that again in my life. You know, I mean, like <laughs> you know, so which is take. Can we people. consider yourself as a calculated risk taking investor? No, yeah, I mean, see, the thing is, like, uh, okay, so I I think I'm a good trader. Okay, so uh, and the thing about trading is, you know, a lot of people think trading is trading stocks. It really isn't trading stocks. Trading is really trading your time and effort. You know, in terms of trading your time and effort, where the risk to reward is in your favor, right? And I think with Zeroda, I'm really the, in the biggest trade of my life. You know, re- you know, like I know that the maximum outcome for my time and effort is really Zeroda because it's really where I'm good at and where I have core competencies, etc. Right, and that's how I look at trading. You know, trading isn't just buying and selling stocks. I mean, that's a lot of people misunderstand that. You know, like uh, you know, I keep telling you know whenever I meet someone who's a trader, I say to With this five hours that you're putting to markets, if you can have a better outcome doing something else, you should go do something else. I mean, it doesn't make sense for you to sit and put five, ten hours every day trading because eventually, what you have with finite amounts is your time and effort. You know, so um, yeah. So, so but I am. I'm, I'm a. I'm a very risk averse and uh, almost pessimistic. Type of trader. The reason my pessimism comes is because I'm always trying to factor in that worst case outcome. Also. So, so Nidhi, we asked you about your first investment. Um, of course, with equities, the cardinal principle is to hold for the long term. So, is there a stock or a fund that you've held the longest that you can recollect, and what kind of time period would that be? 
No, I mean, I think that HDFC fund that I started, that 500 bucks one, I mean, I've held it for like 25, whatever, more than 25 years, I think, late 90s, so yeah, 20. Is it still ongoing? Yeah, it's still ongoing, you know, that 500 rupees is still going on, you know, I mean, I should have ideally, you know, increased that 500, you know, over time, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's like one of those things I've forgotten about and... Uh, um, now you spoke about creating a pool of money that you set aside yourself and your family. So as a percentage of your portfolio, how much would that be? See, the thing is, so today, okay, so I, you know, uh, if you look at Zeroda as a notional valuation, right? I mean, all all of these seems off, and all the data will seem skewed because, you know, if if Zeroda is whatever billions of dollars of valuation, you know, I mean, if you are basing it on paper valuation. None of this makes sense, you know. So, uh, I, and and internally, none of us look at it as in paper, so paper valuation. You know? I mean, like you know, like I don't look at it like that because you know it's it's very distracting of sorts. You know, like every day, like, you know, like like I know that next year, you know, in the markets for like last year, if the business valuation was say, you know, someone said was four or five billion dollars, next year will be two billion dollars. So you know, like I don't want to be distracted worrying about what is you know like my notional valuation. Uh, yeah, if you were to take away that, you know, if you take away that, and uh, it's actually really tiny, you know, like I said, the last two, three years have been financially just spectacular for us as a business and personally as well. So, but if you were to, uh, uh, you know, go back two, three years in time, I, I would say it was, uh, I mean, I, it, it, in my head, it was 100 crores, you know, to be very honest. You know, so, uh, uh, and what percentage of it is, you know, today it's, it's you know, it's tiny, but uh, uh, back then when we set aside saying, you know, this is 100 crores that needs, that will ensure that we have sufficient dry powder to, you know, come back in our lives, such as, you know, if, if we blew up everything, we had to start all over again and, you know, there is there's money and, you know, there's enough to cover for my uh, my family or my parents or, you know, Nikhil's single, so we have his lesser obligations, but yeah, but, uh, and, you uh, and our lifestyles haven't changed in the last four or five years, you know. So it's not like you know, you know, we have a private jet or something. So, so, you know, so those have not really gone up. So, so that uh, that amount that we have demarcated, saying this is how much we need, if we as a side capital, uh, um, yeah, that was really the number, you know. And uh, what percentage? I mean, like back, you know, when we started the business, you know, I think every month five to ten percent. Of profits and you know, just to say, you know what, we need to keep putting aside ourselves. Uh, now we spoke about your first home. Do you see real estate as an investment at all? Um, and if yes, then do you invest in real estate? Well, I, I mean, I'm personally very bearish about real estate, you know. So, <laughs> so, uh, and uh, no, I, I think uh, the only reason we've bought houses to live in and not as an investment, you know. So. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going into you know buying a house thinking you know what the price will appreciate. I think uh, it doesn't make sense. I think the property prices in India, like see any for any asset, the yield from the asset, like even startup investing or even you know, listed companies, right? As in, if you put say one lakh rupees into it, you know it's like a you know it should have a yield of at least four or five percent. I mean at least like seventy five percentage of your fixed deposit returns, right? So considering that there potentially can be an upside. Uh, in the valuation of the stock, I mean, real estate of sorts. So, so if you buy something for a crore, an apartment, for example, you should be able to earn at least three or four lakh rupees in rent. 
which is not happening today right as in you probably a crore apartment you'll probably make like 1 lakh in rent i mean it makes no sense now i rather take that crore put money in the fixed deposit and earn 666% out of it you know so and and have the liquidity right because the real estate the issue is at some point in our lives i'm sure you know like how in the late 90s we hit the sole real estate like a collapse you know we're going to hit that point some point in the future and and that day you need to have liquidity right and you don't want to be stuck in uh you know existing real estate investments as in so like personally i like i i don't understand real estate maybe it is a wrong way to approach this you know but uh so i have stayed away and uh, secondly also i think in like you know intuitively i have a problem with real estate is because i think a lot of indians lock their assets you know wealth in real estate you know and in, in turn not help the economy in any way you know so right as in because once you bought a house it's, it's a de- you know it's like gold it's like money and banks were supposed to you know <laughs> you know give out their money as loans and help the economy but even that's not happening as much so but but these are all like really dead assets and and i think like personally i think for the country to do well in the long run i think you need people to be backing entrepreneurs more than putting you know getting the money stuck in real estate and gold you know so uh so yeah I, I, like like one of the true nods for us as zero is to kind of change the behavior slightly you know make india more risk taking right because really you know we are a poor country and if you want to you know pull up those 85% of india who's kind of you know just meeting their bare needs uh, today if you want to pull them up you have to get this top 15% indians to take more risks you know i mean build businesses you know create employment and and all of that you know so yeah so so inherently i have a problem when you know people you know just go block all their wealth in real estate and and not you know and then you know once you block your money in real estate or your emi etc your risk taking ability also drops significantly you know so you just becomes a lot more conservative of sort so so very exciting to the younger folks today not take this whole route of the first thing i want to do is buy a house you know so if the rental yields are like less than 3 4% it makes sense to just go rent you know so then coming to alternate assets um do you entirely devote that portion to startups and through day matter or do you also look at other kinds of alternate assets and when it comes to picking startups how do you do it see the thing is uh so uh, this whole idea of rain matter came about in 2015 16 right as in so kalash you know uh, when we put out our uh, kite platform before we put out the kite web and mobile platform what we did was we built out this thing called as kite connect it's a, it's a suite of apis that allows anyone to come build platforms on top of it so kite web and mobile were like one such platform it's almost like think of android and play store like a google calendar app on your android is really Uh, like an app on top of android this thing so that the, the uh, so what we did was that you know we launched the suite of apis and then we also at that time but then you know we had realized that the real problem to solve in this country is to grow the capital markets and not really continue taking a market share because we knew that we are a big fish in a small pond i mean we are becoming a big fish in a small pond and we also knew by then that collaboration is the right way to do it versus trying to do everything yourself you know i mean it's you know and there's never been any like even today when people come to me and say you know you want to be like this business conglomerate who does everything i said no i mean you know we enjoy what we're doing today being you know focusing on one aspect of of life for a customer and we want to continue doing it there and collaborate everywhere else so then when we decided we want to collaborate so we what we did was we we put out that suite of apis out there for startups and we said told the startups that today to become an investing platform in this country you need compliance you need regulation you need the underlying infra you need 
customer trust and all of this we have all of this built in a certain way why don't you consume this and and build on top of us you know i mean like today like how this whole banking as a service has started like you know like all this neo banks building on top of traditional banks so this was really that 6 7 years back right and uh, the difference with us was that we said we will also give you customers because today what happens if you build a neo bank the reason the bank is doing is because the neo bank brings new customers to the bank right and but what we told our you know these startup guys is that we understand that you are a fintech startup and trust for the platform will take a long time to come but people trust zeroda as a business that's why they are using us so we'll put our head on the table and showcase you to our customer if you think the product is right right and it took us 3 i think 2 2 and a half years to get to 10000 customers some of the startups got it in like 20 days you know so right and there is no way they would have been able to get it if we hadn't showcased to a lot of these uh, customers saying you know what this is us it's almost like us you know so uh so yeah so when these startups came you know they also needed money you know fintech is hot today it wasn't hot back then right as no one really was talking about you know stock markets and etc so so we started cutting checks but then the business was profitable and uh this almost seemed like you know like a like a right it's almost like a like in my head you know all these investments that we have done through rainmat of fintech it's almost like a give back type of an initiative you know so in the sense i go in thinking you know what this even if this can help our customers or you know traders out there uh, do a little better in their lives i think we should have uh and and the reason we've been able to do that was the objective was really to expand the markets and we knew that it can't be just us expanding the markets it has to be the ecosystem expanding the markets and uh uh so yeah so uh, uh and then uh, so i'm but i'm very passionate about it all these investments that happen through rainmatter fintech is you know i'm i'm part of it very actively uh, you know we have a team today uh, uh, who double up at zeroda and also do this you know all guys who are passionate about capital markets as such um uh, so yeah so uh, but but like i said earlier all these investments you know in my head is like a csr budget and i go in thinking you know it's it's all going to blow up so i i don't know if it really qualifies technically as investments and uh, and then rainmatter climate happened in 2019-20 and uh, the reason for that happening is because as a business we i think we just generated more cash than what the business needs and and like i told earlier right as in i think it's it's almost criminal to let your money lie idle right as in like you know like you know you, you know locking it up in real estate gold etc it's it's just criminal you know i mean i think money has to be flowed back into economy and uh in some way and and so yeah so uh, rain matter climate was really again me and k uh, you know we were very passionate about some of these i mean like while we grew the business we always had this whole problem saying you know the more efficient we get as a business probably is causing more job losses out there i, I mean this was like 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 one of those moral dilemmas of sorts and uh, like for example today at zeroda we have uh, 10 million customers and we have 1100 people on the team right but any other competitor of ours uh, especially if you were to pick up a incumbent and if if you had to build a business of our size you probably have 10000 people on the team that means us being efficient is really causing technically 9000 job losses somewhere right as in it's a and i think i think you know the more i look around the more I think the world is just getting more and more efficient thanks to technology and uh, and livelihood creation is really the biggest problem. To like I said earlier you need to find ways to get you know people be able to have access to basic health food education and housing etc. So and so you need people to be able to make money in some form so that's a cause which is very close to heart. And uh, uh and around climate change I mean I think really the biggest 
problem the planet has right now and and you know we also felt that in india maybe the answer to these problems lie in each other which is if there's a way you can uh, solve for climate it'll also create jobs in the process uh, you know which are green jobs and and etc so so yeah so we started investing in in startups for working in this space you know in the sense uh, like people were solving for these two problems in some way and uh, and the way we have structured it is is that any upside in the investment goes back to the foundation so so you know so that objective is right set right at the front you know so uh, because otherwise you know those in, if the incentive is misaligned if tomorrow someone else is running zerodha right as in you might just dilute this whole idea of rain matter the foundation you know so and and we are also in, you know kind of helping non profits out there but but i think you know like eventually when i think about it i think like economic incentives can solve large life problems and you know if even for climate change i think you need to figure an economic incentive for people to be conscious and 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 this is something i keep experimenting you know like is it now you track your performance of your investments at all um, i know you delegated it all to nikhil but um the you know we've seen a massive correction in the past couple of months so when we last spoke to nikhil uh, he gave us a return of 15% 15 on the equity part mm-hmm. i i just checked the nifty is down 13% since then so okay. uh, so if you had an approximate number as to how you would have done in the last year uh, what would well, that number i mean i don't care about it you know because i think it's a distraction you know so i mean i like uh, so me and nikhil uh, when we started like you know the business i used to you know like constantly mo- track you know what is he doing trading because it was you know <laughs> like so the thing was so when he started the business we had after setting up the office and licenses etc i think we had some 20 25 lakh rupees left right and uh, and i you know that money had to kind of run the business and also nikhil has to use that money to trade and generate profits you know because so i used to be really bothered in the first one to three years on what nikhil is doing with his trading because uh because that was very very important back then but um uh but then you know i think some point in the journey we said you know what it makes no sense for me to even dedicate any time and effort you know so on this so i do it every time we are doing advanced tax i mean we sit down and say you know what has been the profits and i don't really look at Like granular, which investments there did we beat the benchmark, etc. You know, for me in my head is like, dude, as long as we're not losing money on this, it's okay. You know, and and Nikhil is I know is is, is a lot more risk averse than I am. You know, so I am at least longer term optimist. I think Nikhil is generally pessimistic about short term and long term. You know, so so uh, so uh, market falling I know is not a problem. I mean, market suddenly goes up five hundred percent, then I know that potentially you know we could. you know we could uh, uh no but we always constantly also have investments so even if you're making trading loss uh you you not lose money because investments will probably gain even if it's short on his trades you know so but uh, uh but yeah so market falling has never really been too much of a concern to me because i know that he's pessimistic about everything so you know he's is always constantly hedged in some form or the other you know, so just to close our thought If you had to hypothetically allocate hundred rupees between different assets today, yeah. how would you do it? Not giving to Nikhil. <laughs> Not giving to Nikhil. Yeah. So if I knew that <laughs> my uh, my worst case is covered for, that means I have hundred rupees in the bank to take care of my needs. I would be as aggressive as possible with my hundred rupees. So I would be all long equities or sorts. I mean, not 
put it all together but i am i'm, I'm long term bullish of india i think india will become a super economic power in the next 5 10 years you know and of course there'll be volatility and etc i think india has just got too many good things going for us and you now the population demographics you know the gdp growth the stable government uh, like a lot of interest from outside the world to invest in india uh, so so longer term i mean we'll have excesses and drawdowns but longer term i'm uh, very bullish but this whole longer term being bullish you know a lot of people don't understand that Uh, you can't do bulk, like a lump sum investment and say no what i'm going to be longer term bullish you know so you will have to time your uh, you know not time your investment but you know stagger your investments you know be you know when there are excesses maybe you know wind down because this is my full time thing you know like and you'd prefer a passive approach an index fund approach no i think i would do stock picking you know? so i mean no, I personally i would do stock picking you know, because you know, i think it's core competency but but if for people who are not Now, who is who are not you know living their lives stock markets? I I would advise passive for sure. Uh, I think that's it from me, Satya. Yeah, we'll just uh, ask some you know uh, small questions, uh, Nitin. You know, yeah. so what does wealth mean to you? Well, wealth, wealth. I mean, I, wealth <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think it's freedom. You know, so. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, how do you involve your spouse in your uh, financial decisions at home? Uh. I mean, I try to involve her, but uh, she doesn't like to be involved. So you know, and like like I said, you know, I, I probably you know we're like an outlier. You know, so today we don't have to worry about our finances as much. So, uh, but but yeah, I think I think if we are not doing a business and I was working employed, I would probably you know there would be a lot more talk about planning our finances and etc. You know. Sure, sure. And uh, what do you teach your child about uh, money? now he knows that uh, he knows that you you are a billionaire <laughs> no i mean i think it's it's about not taking it for granted you know so it's it's um 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 it's it's very you know the the issue is you know he's got a technical debt of sorts you now because i think he'll have trouble being recognized for whatever he does in his life because you know everything will come down to you know your dad had the money you know so uh so i'm um i'm trying i'm trying hard for you know him to not take it for granted and just be more conscious about life problems versus just uh, you know this whole you know money is going to buy me happiness is, is very flawed you know kind of concept so so the idea is to find him something in life that he can be happy and you know and then you don't go search finding happiness using money so. yeah sure yeah so any lockdown induced lifestyle changes that will continue uh, for long work from home i mean it's i think it's it's almost like permanent for us now you know we've decided that It's a it's a it's a more efficient way of of life, isn't? Uh, so the core team, you know, we've said we'll catch up once a once a week or you know twice a week or something like that. And but the overall team is, you know, we've said permanent work from home um, forever. So yeah, I think I think I think this is gonna continue. And I I find it. I mean, it's a I found it very hard in the start, but now I've you know I've said this. I'm gonna you know turn off everything at 7 p.m. I'm gonna you know like. Stay as far away from kitchen, and you know all of those <laughs> rules are now you know incorporated uh, in, in the house. So, so yeah, so I think I think this is going to be more like a permanent thing. Sure. Any books on finance that you recommend uh, the listeners? I mean, it's it's it may be cliched, but a lot of people. I, I really liked. I think for most people, I think what uh, Morgan Housel says in Psychology of Money is you know is a, I think it's a really good starting point to start thinking about money in the right way and. Uh, Uh, yeah. And I have a, a weird 
book recommendation you know this this book called the anarchy you know this is about uh, east india company you know how they came to india to set up a company and you know how they slowly transmorphed into like this you know company that took over the country right as in uh, and there's a lot of resemblances you know if you look at today's large big techs to what you know some of these like east india company i mean there is very similar resemblances now i mean it was a lot of i'll do good for you i'll do trade i'll do commerce i'll do business and then suddenly became they, they became so big one day and then they got greedy and they said you know what i want to take over this whole shit you know so uh so yeah so i think i think it's a very interesting book you know if you actually think Can about the title again uh, the anarchy uh, william darson yeah, Sure, sure. That's all from our side, uh, Nitin. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Lovely yes. pleasure. Thanks, thanks for thanks. Hope for we'll catch up bye. again. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Bye. 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 This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.